Well, if you've been with us through the summer, then you know that we did, uh, we've been working our way uh, since the end of June through the book of First Peter letter that Peter wrote. Peter was one of the disciples of Jesus, one of those closest to Jesus. He served as a pastor in Jerusalem for a time and then later in life moved on to Rome. And, and Peter writes this letter from Rome to some Christians in what is modern day Turkey. And, and uh, we've gone through a lot of the introductory stuff, but two things that, again, I just want to remind you of if you've been with us. If you haven't, these will be new, but two things that we need to keep in mind and they'll be important for us today. Two things to know about the people to whom Peter is writing. Again, first of all, they were not very important in the eyes of the world. World. Okay, these were not uh, the important people. These were not the movers and the shakers. These were not the power people. Uh, again, I'll show you this map that we've been using and so on. Uh, Jerusalem there to the right, and then Rome where Peter is to the left. And then this area in, in what is modern-day Turkey called Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. Those are the provinces, the states, so to speak, uh, that make up this area. And, and as you can see, uh, again, this is a little bit inland. The green area is where the, the, the action was. That's where the culture was. That's where the power was. That's where the important people lived. And, and, and so Peter is writing this letter, and, and, and it's to people who are not uh, really very important in the eyes of the world. And, and that was especially true of the Christians, okay? The Christians were kind of really considered down there and, and, and not very important, not very significant. They were considered to be really small potatoes, okay? And, and we'll understand why that matters in a little bit. And then the second thing, and it, it really is behind the whole series, and that is that they were under pressure to conform, to do what everybody else was doing, and, and, and to be good Romans, not good Christians, okay? We've talked about that of saying, you know, for Rome, you could believe anything you want. You could have any gods you wanted as long as you committed first to the Roman Empire and then second to the Roman gods. And in third place, they didn't really care. You could do whatever you wanted with that. And, and, and these Christians were saying, no, Jesus is Lord. Jesus is number one. And we're going to honor him with our lives. We're going to do what he wants us to do. And, 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 and so the Roman government, the employers, the whole system, the culture around them was trying to squeeze them, trying to make them conform, to, to fit into the image of what everybody else was doing. And we, again, feel that pressure to go with the flow, to, to, to do what everybody else is doing. And so, uh, again, we experience that. And that's why I think this letter has some really important things to say to us. And what Peter does in this letter is he calls him to stay faithful to Jesus, even under pressure. One of his strategies, and again, we're still kind of review here, but is, is teaching the people who they are in Jesus. In, in, in First Peter, chapters 1, and then halfway through chapter 2, what we covered through last week, is really all about identity in Christ. It's all about saying, this is who you are. And a couple of things I want to highlight about that. Again, one of them that's very important, and again, we'll, we'll talk about it more later on, but he tells them that they're aliens, strangers, foreigners. He, you know, he says, look, you, you live in, in, uh, in Bithynia, you live in Pontus, you live in this city, but, but you're really also ultimately a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. You belong to God, and, and, and so your citizenship is there, but you're living here, and, and, and so don't be surprised when you don't fit in. Because you live by a different set of rules. You live by a different set of values. You're aliens. You're strangers. And then the next thing he does, I think really consistently in those first two chapters, is, is he reminds them how, how special they are. Again, these are people who, who feel like they're not very important, who feel like they've messed up with their lives, who are, a lot of them were slaves, a lot of them were, were menial workers in those positions and so on. But Peter just comes in, and look at all these things. You know, he says, 1 verse 1, you are chosen by God. You are chosen by God. 1 verse 2, you are sanctified. That's made holy. 
You are pure. You are absolutely perfect in Jesus Christ. And again, it wasn't because they did everything right, but because of the forgiveness of their sins. They were bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. One nineteen. You are living stones. You are a holy priesthood. Two five. You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood. We talked about being priests last week and, and having the presence of God in us and bringing the presence of God wherever we go. And we said, what an amazing opportunity that God would use us to be priests, to bring his presence and to come into his presence. A holy nation, God's special possession. And so, so Peter is, is saying to us, and he's saying to these people, you've got to understand, even though the world says you're here, in Christ you're here. This is kind of the way I, 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 I was visioning it, and I thought I might as well just kind of show you a little bit of what's in my mind. Mostly it's blank space, so that's kind of mostly what's in my mind. Um, but, you know, what is our position? I mean, I think that's an important question for our to ask, because ask, our, our world is really interested in position. Right? We're really interested in pecking orders and who's on top and who's on the bottom. And, 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 and there are certain ways of how you treat everybody. And, and when you're on the bottom, you just have to kind of say, you know, yes, sir, whatever, and on the, at least on the outside to whoever is above you. And when you're on the top, you step on those below you, right? I mean, that's kind of the way it works. And so in the eyes of the world, we're, we're, we're way down here. And so what Peter comes along and he says, in Christ, you are way up here. In Christ, you are special. You are so loved. You are so amazing. You are chosen. God himself lives inside of you. You are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation. You are God's special possession. And, and Peter just says, you are something. You are so big. You are so awesome. Not because, again, we ourselves are, but because of God's amazing love. And, and, and we are so secure in God's love. We are so confident in God's love. So he kind of says, look, you're not down here. You're way up here. And, and, and in my mind, I think that kind of triggers for him a question. Okay, now, now Peter wants to say, well, then how do we live in a relationship with others? And that's what he starts to do at 2 verse 11. Okay, that's what he starts to do here as he, as he moves forward. is kind of say, okay, but what does this mean? How do we live in relationship with others? <clears throat> Excuse me. Again, we know how the world does it, right? In the world, when you're on top, you step on those who are underneath you. Now, Peter has just said, we, we are God's special possession. And, and the temptation is to say, cool, then we can just ignore everybody else. Then we can say to our bosses at work, you know, I don't have to listen to you because I am God's child. And, 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 and we can start to, and, and Peter's going to want to say, no, that's not how we do this. And he's going to call us to be exiles and foreigners and strangers and aliens in how we relate to others. It goes on for a, a chapter or so. And this morning, what we're going to do is cover the first two areas that, that Peter covers. How do we live in relationship with government and with bosses? So this will be fun, right? Uh, how do we live in those relationships? Knowing who we are in Christ, knowing that we are free in Christ, knowing that we know, owe no one anything, that we're free in Christ. Now, how do we live in those relationships? Now, let me get something out of the way here early on. Uh, I, I'm talking about here about relationship with bosses and employers. The language that Peter uses is masters and slaves, okay? Now, here's what I think you need to understand. Um, it, it, slavery in Peter's day, for the most part, there is, it was a whole range of things, but slavery in Peter's day was closer to a, a, a work relationship we would have today of an employee and an employer, okay? It'd be closer to that than it is to slavery in the South uh, 150 years ago, or 200 years ago, okay? It, we think of slavery and we think of what was going on in the South. This was a, 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 a much different thing. There were some situations that were closer to that, but for the most part, it's more like this. And so I'm not going to go into explaining all of that all the way through, but, but just trust me on this. So I, what, what Peter says to masters and slaves, we can apply into our work situations, okay? So how do we live in relationships with those government? How do we live in relationship 
to our bosses? How do, we, how do we respond in those kind of situations? And again, Peter starts off by just saying, you can't do it the way everybody else does. Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage against your, your soul. Peter is saying, I know what you want to do. I know what you want to do. You want to attack. You want to fight. You want to just do all this stuff. You want to put your boss in his place. You want to say, you're not the boss of me. I can, I, I'm free in Christ, and I can do what I want, I, and, and I don't owe anybody anything. Peter says, no, that's not what we're going to do. That's not what we're going to do. So how do we live in relationship with government and bosses? And, and, and I, the reason I join them together is there are two basic commands that he gives, and he gives it in each relationship. In the first section, uh, 13 to, to 17, he talks about relationship with government. In the second section, he talks about relationship with bosses. But it's really parallel. And so it's the same. We respond in the same way. And the first word that he has in both situations, the basic command for all of us, in relationship to government and bosses, is this. Submit. Ouch. Submit. Listen. Do what they tell you to do. First Peter 2, 13 and 14. Submit. First word, big word, it is given the place of primacy. Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human authority. Peter's not writing about a Christian government, okay? Let's just make very clear about that. Peter is writing about a Roman government that is soon going to be killing Christians, and yet he says, submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human authority, whether to the emperor as the supreme authority or to governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. Submit to every authority. Peter's default position for followers of Jesus Christ is that we obey the government, all right? Slaves, workers, in, relationship, in reverent fear of God, submit yourselves to your masters. Submit yourselves to your masters, to your bosses, not only to those who are good and considerate, but also to those who are harsh. And that's really strong. That's really strong. I want to say six things about this. This is just, I mean, we could talk for a long time about this, and we'll, the majority of the sermon is going to be on this, just kind of trying to understand what this means and how this plays out in our lives. So I want to start, first of all, with a, with a definition. And, and, and what the word means is really to listen to. It's to obey, friends. It is to, to listen to that person and, and to serve that person. <clears throat> Excuse me. It's not always helpful, but in this case it is. The, the Greek word behind submit is a word called hupotasso. That's the word. It's hupotasso. And, and what it means is under to place. Hupo was under to place. All right. And so what it means is, and, and the picture is, what, what I do when it comes to my government is I, I submit. I put myself under. What I do when it comes to those who are my bosses, in my case it's the council, the elders and the deacons here, what, what I do is I submit. I, I, I put myself under. I, I, I take myself and I say, okay, I am going to listen to you, I am going to serve you, and I am going to obey. I'm going to do what you tell me to do. All right? That's a powerful, powerful thing. Again, if we think about this, this chart, what is our position? Uh, what, what I picture this is, is, is that, you know, again, in the world, we're down here. In Christ, we're up here. But then what we choose to do is voluntarily we become servants. Voluntarily we say, you know what, we're going to take the lowest position. We're going to take that position of saying, I want you to do better. I want you to be bigger. I want you to be tall. I want you to be greater than me. And we voluntarily, our, our value in Christ still stays high. But our position as Christ is the one that Christ took. That is, we empty ourselves and we take the form of a servant. Philippians 2, right? We looked at it last summer. We empty ourselves. And, and what, Paul, what Peter rather calls us to do is, is to submit. 
to submit to the government, to submit to your boss. Now, interesting, a couple things to notice about this. Not because we have to, but because of Jesus. Submit yourself, Peter says, for the Lord's sake. In other words, I listen. I listen to the council here. You listen to your boss at work. I listen to them because, not because they're going to take away my paycheck. Not because I'm afraid of what they're going to do to me. I do it because Jesus wants me to. And as I submit to them, I am honoring Jesus. As I, as I listen to them, I am honoring Jesus. As I obey them, I am honoring Jesus. That's important for us to remember. It is not just a matter of fear, but Jesus calls us to do this. Now, you may be thinking, why? We'll, we'll get to that in a little bit. All right, that's going to be at the end and, and talk about why. But it's not because we have to. It's not because we're afraid, but we do it for the Lord's sake. I, I, it's not because anybody else was better than me or more important than me. I do it because Jesus did it, because he was a servant. And, and we do it not just to the good ones, but also to the bad ones. Again, you, you read this already, but not only to those who are good and considerate, 218, but to those who are harsh. You submit to your boss even when your boss is a jerk. You are called to submit to your leadership, to the boss, to, to the government. We are called to submit to the government even when they are harsh, even when they are just not, you know, being kind and considerate. It's easy to submit to somebody who has earned it. You know, it's interesting in trying to figure out how to do this. When, when I read some of the stuff on leadership and so on, you know, the, talking to leaders, quite often what the statement is, and I think it's true in some sense, you know, the statement is, you get as much respect as you've earned. In our culture, you don't get it because of your title. And there's a part of me that really likes that. Peter challenges us on that. Not as leaders, but as followers, as workers. Say, you know what? I start with respect. I I do that. I, I, I submit. I listen. I obey. You are my boss. You are the government, and I do that, all right? So that's the definition, to listen to and, and obey and serve. And, and I just the second thing, it's just really, really tough. Okay, it's really, really, really tough because there is something inside each and every one of us that just wants to sing, you're not the boss of me now, right? You are not the boss of me. You can't. I don't like it. I mean, it, 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 we've discovered with one of our children, I won't mention her name, but um, with one of our children, again, she was just, cla- it's, it's still somewhat true. If you tell her to do something, I mean, if you tell her to take a vacation to Hawaii, she probably won't because you told her. She won't do it because you Older. Now, she's a lot better, and she would go to Hawaii. But, I mean, it was just, high school was just this, if, if you, she, and she just, I mean, it was just, now, that's true of all of us. Think about it. You go back to, to the Garden of Eden, if you remember the story where Adam and Eve were. They have everything absolutely perfect, right? Everything they want. God gives them one command. One command. Don't eat from this tree, okay? You got everything else. Everything else is perfect. Uh, you know, it's like, got to do it. Got I can't, I can't listen. I can't submit. I can't, I mean, because I want to be king. I want to be char in charge. I want to be in, in, in that position of power. And it is so hard. It is so hard for us to do this. And yet that's what Peter calls us to do. Now, you've been thinking this all along, but I do have to acknowledge it. There are limits. I, I want to be careful here because we quickly give ourselves excuses why in my case I don't have to. But the fact is there are limits. 
if a boss tells us to do something that is clearly against God's commands, if the government tells us to do something that is clearly against God's commands, we have to obey God rather than men. Peter himself experienced this in the book of Acts chapter 5. Peter was out preaching, and, and, and the Jewish leaders, and they were in authority. They were a, really a recognized government authority over that area at that time uh, in certain ways. They had some authority legally, and, and, and so they called Peter in. He said, you've got to stop preaching. Peter goes out, and he, and he preaches some more, and they call him in again. They said, we told you to stop, and that's when Peter says this, Acts 5.29. Peter and the other apostles replied, we must obey God rather than human beings. I can't shut up about Jesus. I have to keep talking. And, 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 and so, again, I, I, I notice there's respect here in the way Peter is responding. He, he doesn't just say, hey, I don't care what you say. I'm gonna, no, this is, you know, but I, I've got to do this. I've got to honor God, and I've got to, to, to God comes first. And, and so that's the case. There are limits to it. There, if, if, there's a clear, if there's a clear violation of God's will, okay? So I, I, I recognize that, but I would challenge you to be really careful because, again, we are so good at making ourselves the exception. Saying, well, I don't need to submit to my boss because of this and this and this. Is it really that he's asking you to do something? If it's not outside of a clear violation of God's commands, God speaks, says, do it. Submit. Obey. Ah, that's tough. That's really, really tough. Fourth thing I want to say is that it's, it's not necessarily always wrong to question or challenge government or bosses. Okay, this passage has been used by, by a number of folks throughout the ages, usually by government and bosses, uh, to say, look, this is what God says, submit. Submit. You can't even question anything. You can't. And I know a number of Christians who would say it would be wrong to, to protest. It would be wrong to pray outside an abortion clinic. It would be wrong to question the government on Vietnam. It would be wrong to question the government on Iraq. It would be wrong to do that because we're called to submit. And so you can't even raise a question. I mean, I'm not talking about rebellion. I'm just talking about questions. It's, I'm just talking about saying, hey, I'm not sure this is right. And, and I, I, got some, I want to change this situation. There are people throughout history, a lot of, this, this passage gets used a lot, usually by people in power. <laughs> it gets used a lot to say, you've got to listen. Just shut up. Jesus wants you to be quiet. And just do what I'm telling you to do. I don't think it means we've got to just shut up. And, and, and let me tell you a couple of reasons why I say that. Uh, this is one of those cases where the situation really does make a difference. And, 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 and protest at work and, and with the government, uh, respectful, dignified, humble protest, it wasn't an option in Peter's day, okay? In either case, I mean, this is one of those cases where slaves, they had no, no real rights, okay? They, 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 yeah, they, they, they weren't as bad as it was down in the south and so on, but, but they didn't have any real rights. And, and, and I don't think Peter would have even thought about honest protest. Peter wouldn't have crossed his mind. He's not addressing that question. He's talking about a situation where, where, where they just don't have that as an option, Okay, and, and he's saying, you know, and in that situation, you just submit, all right? You listen. But I think in our situation, he'd say, you have every right. Because I think his, his bigger concern is, is not just mindless obedience, but, but it's, it's honor, it's respect, it's kindness. It's, it's, it, and, and, and that's still strange in the way we do that, okay? Um, look at some of what he says, 217. He says, show proper respect to everyone. Okay, I, I think respect is a really big word here of saying, I'm, I'm going to honor this. I, I, I'm, I'm going to obey where I can. But even if I disagree about the style here, I, I, I can challenge, I can question, but I've got to show proper respect, honor, 
Honor the king is what he says. And, and then when he talks about Jesus is the one who shows us how to do this. And again, we'll come to that a little later. But he says, when they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Jesus was, the Bible tells us, completely silent. And, and, and you've got to be careful about arguing this way. But, but Peter doesn't point to his silence here. What he points to is his refusal to attack. He points to his refusal to, to threaten, to respond, to respond. And, and I think Peter's, you know, what he really wants to say is, is, is in those situations where we feel a need to challenge, to question, we must do it with any and all respect. But again, I think we've got to be really careful about, about how we do that, okay? So it, it really wasn't an option, what we would call a, a protest, a challenge. You can, you can challenge your boss in this day, and, and it's a whole different thing than, than in Peter's day, all right? So it's not necessarily always wrong to question or challenge government or bosses, and then this one is, is really important. In some ways, I wish it didn't have to be said, but we are not called by God to stay in abusive situations. I wish I didn't have to say that. I wish it was really obvious. But the fact is, this section of First Peter has been used for centuries and is still used by a number of Christians today and pastors today to say workers and, and, and the, the, it's, next week we'll talk about husbands and wives. But, but wives, children... Look, you just submit even to abuse. And, and the, the verse that, that really gets tough on it is this, 1 Peter 2, verse 20. This is a verse that, again, is, is used so often and I think misused. It says, how is it to your credit if you receive a beating for doing wrong and endure it? In other words, if you messed up and got beaten, then, then you don't get any credit for it. But if you suffer for doing good and you endure it, this is commendable before God. It has not happened often, really, two or three times in the last 23 years. That's two or three times too many. But I have had females come to me here, not members of this church, but I've had them come to me and say, my husband is beating me, my husband is beating the kids. And I went to my pastor and he said, I have to stay. And he pointed to this verse. He pointed to this verse and he said, look, it doesn't matter. If you receive a beating, you're still supposed to submit. You need to stay in that situation. And I said, no, you don't. God does not call you to stay in that kind of a situation. Uh, I, again, I think for me the biggest part of it is, is really understanding this text because Peter is writing to people who had no other options. Sometimes we are in situations where we don't have options. Sometimes we, we can't, and, and for whatever reason, and, and, and then Peter wants to say to us, God is with you, and God will carry you through it. But, but in Peter's day, again, a slave couldn't just kind of go off and, and, and go find another master slave leaves he's going to get beaten there and he's going to get beaten when he gets brought back you didn't say anything bad about rome or you got beaten worse there was no option there were no home there were no shelters for battered women there were no shelters for there were no other jobs there was no union there was no support there was no and 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 so again peter's not answering that question and 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 i just want to really be clear like i say some of you i hope you're thinking around this is crazy i can't imagine that but I've run into it enough that I just want to say God is not calling us. Uh, again, that verse, you can you know, to go back to it. You know, I, I just get so scared. And, and again, in the last 30 years, I could name some pastors you would all recognize who on their national radio shows have said, women, if your husband, I mean, if your husband is going out having affairs, just submit because that's what you're supposed to do. That's what God is calling you here. And if he's hitting you, well, if it's real abuse, God will stop it. Just like Jesus, and trust yourself to him. And if he's hitting you, then God will stop it. And I just say, no, that is not. 
That is not what God has in mind, all right? So we're not called by God to stay in abusive situations. And then the last thing I want to say about submitting here is apply this verse to ourselves. You know, if I show up at our staff meeting tomorrow morning, say, did you all listen? Submit to me. Yeah, I'm going to get that. What I need to do is say, where do I struggle with submission? Where do I struggle with submission to those who are in authority over me? How well do I do listening to those who can tell me what to do? How respectful am I? How honoring am I? You know, again, like I see, this thing has been so abused. The people who've pulled this passage out in, in all of First Peter 2 here, this whole section, and, and, and into the next one, the people who've pulled it out all too often have used it as a club. This is not, first of all, a word to those in power to say, guess what, you can tell everybody to shut up and get in line. No. It's first of all a word to me, saying, Ron, be like Jesus and submit to those who are in authority and serve them. And then also I know as a leader he's going to say, and serve those who you are leading as well. So just really challenge yourself. Some of you might be going, gosh, I want to give this tape to the people at work who work for me. It ain't going to work now because... <laughs> apply it first to ourselves okay so that's the first rule the, it is, it, what a challenge I mean I, 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 there's, that is so difficult to do and so countercultural. We we are so good at saying I'm not going to listen to anybody else I am not going to you know and, and, and to say no I'm going to submit I'm going to serve and, and, and the second thing I'm going to do is I'm going to do good not only am I going to submit to the government, I'm going to do my best to help the government succeed. I'm going to do civic good. I'm going to do, not only going to listen to my boss, I'm going to do my best to help her even when she is being nasty. Again, in the section on, on obeying government, First uh, Peter 2.15, For it is God's will that by, that by doing good, it is God's will that by doing good, you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. By doing good, you've got to go out there. And, 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 and so it's saying you've got to be good citizens. Not, not just listening. And, and again, it doesn't mean we don't challenge where it's appropriate. 220, when he's talking to us about bosses, about masters. But if you suffer, again, for doing good and you endure it, this is commendable before God. So there is some value. Again, not getting beat, not getting abused. But if we do good. And, 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 and again, this is one that I would say is really tough. Um, we're called to do good in our communities. We're called to do good for our bosses and our colleagues. And, and I want you to just kind of imagine a scenario, Okay. Imagine that you have a, a mean boss. Some of you don't have to imagine that. Some of you have that, right? How do you respond? How does God want you to respond? Again, this is a place where you just assume not learn what the Bible has to say. Because what the Bible says is, first of all, you submit, and then you bring them cookies. Or you make coffee, or you buy coffee, or you wash the car. You go out of your way to make that person look good even though she is treating you like a jerk you go out of your way to help that person you do good that is tough that is tough so we submit and we do good why all right why? What, what, what happens when we submit and do good? What, why does Peter want us to do this? This is, this is going to be one of Peter's themes throughout this. And, and there are three reasons that he wants us to do this. The first two are really positive ones. The third one is, is a result that we say it just, it, it, it can be helpful for us, but it's not what we really want. So you'll know that when I get there. The first one, and this is, this is I think, at the heart of what, what Peter wants here, is, is that if we do that, 
If we submit and do good to good government, bad government, to good bosses, to bad bosses, we will cause curiosity. Peter wants us to live as aliens and strangers so that people say, what's up with you? You want to know why you, you buy coffee for your, your mean boss? To mess with her mind. To mess with her. To make her say, this isn't the way the game is played. I treat you like dirt, you treat me like dirt, but that's the way the game is played. I know how to, what's this game where you do this to me after I did that to you? This is not how I play. Look at 1 Peter 2 verse 12. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Peter is saying, I want you to do this. I want you to submit. I want you to do good so that, so that people will be curious and they'll start to say, tell me more about this. And then they will give glory to God to cause curiosity. I love that. It's going to be Peter's theme. And the really, one of the main themes. Watch this as we go through the rest of the book. I ran across a wonderful story this week. A pastor had a sermon that I read. And in a wonderful story, it was about a monk who was uh, out, I don't know if he was in a cave praying or whatever, but he found a jewel, and it was obviously lost for a long time, so he didn't have to find the owner, for those of you who go there. But he found this amazing jewel, you know, uh, of, of unbelievable value. And he puts it in his bag, and he's walking back to the monastery, and a traveler comes up to him. And, and the traveler says, do you have any food to share? And, and, and the monk says, sure. And he opens up his bag, and he's reaching for some food. And the traveler sees the jewel and just says, can I have that? And without thinking much, the monk said, sure, and hands it to him. The traveler takes a roll and goes off. A couple of days later, the monk is at the monastery, and the traveler comes and is looking for the monk. And the monk hears this and goes to meet him, and he's wondering, what does he want from me? And the traveler gives the monk the jewel back and says, I want something else. Now the monk is really confused. I, that, that's a, I, I'm a monk. I've got nothing. I, what, 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 what more could this guy want from me? He just gave me back this unbelievably expensive jewel. What does he want from me? And the traveler says this, Please give me. Please give me that which enabled you to give me this precious stone. I, I love that picture. The stone is one thing, but what do you have inside of you that allows you to just pour this out? What what do you have inside of you that allows you to live this way? Please give me that which enables you to live this way. That's what Peter is talking about, why we live as aliens and strangers in this world. You mess with your boss, and one day our prayer is that your boss comes and says, what allows you to do that? How do you live that way? How do you love that way? How do you serve that way? How do you have joy when I treat you like dirt? How do you have happiness when I treat you like garbage? Teach me how to do that. <laughs> Teach, th- th- what, right? That's causing curiosity. That's bearing witness. That's living such good lives before the pagans so that they will see God and come to glorify him. So we cause curiosity. That's why Peter wants us to do this. That's why we do these things, to, to, to just bring the presence of Christ into these places, into our workplaces, and, and with the government to say, you know, there's a better way to live, and we live it out more than we talk it out. All right, the second thing we do is we quiet questions, okay? We, we quiet questions. Peter is passionate about Jesus, and he doesn't want us to get in the way. 
And, and Peter knows it was happening in his day. It still happens in our day that, that whenever you have something that's a little different, whenever you say, Jesus is my life, people are going to say, well, yeah, well, look at your life. It's wrong in this and it's wrong in this and it's wrong in this and it's wrong in this. And there was a lot of slander going on. I mean, the early Christians were accused of being cannibals because they ate the body and blood of Jesus. They were accused of having orgies because they called it a love feast. Uh, they, they were accused of all sorts of things. Look at what Peter says, 1 Peter 2.15. It, it is God's will that by doing good, you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. So part of what Peter says is do this because you don't want to give the world ammunition. We don't want to give the world ammunition to say those Christians are just rabble-rousers. Those Christians are just uh, rebels. Those Christians are just people who are so hard to work with. Peter wants to say, you know what? It's all about Jesus, and so let's get out of the way. And, and, and too often when we, when we rebel, when we refuse to submit, when we refuse to listen, when we refuse to do good, we make it about us. It's so a part of the reason I want to do this is so that, so that there's just less dirt. I mean, think about it. Anybody know anybody who throws dirt at Billy Graham? Nobody. Because he's lived a good life. He's a servant. He's humble. He's gracious. He's kind. And all people can do when they see him is listen to for Jesus. And so that's what Peter is saying. Submit and do good so that we don't get in the way. All right? So we quiet questions. And, and then the third one, and this is the one that we don't necessarily want to be. Peter's, this, this, these first two, you can kind of say, oh, that's cool. This is, you know, and Peter is kind of optimistic with those, right? You say, oh, Peter's saying, oh, if we do this, then they're going to ask questions and they're going to become Christians and they're going to stop questioning us and so on. Peter says, yeah, that might happen. But he also knows in reality, it might just get worse. And that's why he says the third thing that, that happens when we submit and do good is, is we are connected to the suffering of Christ. We are connected to the suffering of Christ. First Peter 2, he gets to the end of this passage and he says this, verse 21, to this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. When you are mistreated and you choose to submit, when you are, when you are hurt and you love your enemy, and that enemy might be your boss or the government, when you love, submit, and do good to your enemies, to those who are hurting you, you are like Jesus and when you pay a price, you are connected in experiencing the sufferings that Jesus did. Now, we are not saving anybody the way Jesus did, but we can experience that closeness. He entrusted himself to him who judges justly. Jesus just said, all right, Father, I know that in the end you will make all things new and you will make all things right. And so when we do that, when we submit, even in a per situation where it doesn't get any better, what we do is we're connected and we experience the sufferings of Christ. And we experience a unity with Jesus that's deeper than we have right now. So in closing, in Christ, never forget, we are special, holy, chosen, and free to submit and serve and do good. Let's pray together. Father, submitting is not something that comes naturally to us. Controlling, guiding, driving comes natural to us. So, so fill us with your love. So remind us of how safe and secure we are in you. We can set our egos aside because you're taking care of us. 
and serve and submit and do good to government and to bosses and to everybody else. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Will you please stand to receive God's parting blessing? Once again, uh, there will be some people from Hillside gathered there in the prayer room. If you'd like to talk with somebody or meet with somebody, they'd be happy to gather together with you. People of God, as you go from this place, know that the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ goes with each and every one of us. And may we find the joy of submitting and doing good. Go in God's grace. Amen.